We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Well, friends, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is we're into the semifinals of the Europa League. The bad news is this is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's the bad news. we got a podcast for you. The worst news is we drew Atletico Madrid in the semifinal. But we will come to that after we discuss the ease and effortlessness with which we dispatch CSK in Moscow. And here to discuss it are two of Jack Wilshere's biggest fans, supporters, and believers. Uh, the first is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause. Moscow. 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 Moscow? Okay. okay. The other is yep. Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Do you say Moscow or Moscow? Moscow. Moscow. You didn't say hello, hello. <laughs> you know, words that have the same letters in them can be pronounced differently. But we can talk about that on our grammar pod that's come, that comes up every Sunday. In any event, just your regular run-of-the-mill... 2-2 draw to comfortably get through to the semifinal, and I defy anybody else to say it was any different. But, Paul, let's start with uh, the decisions the manager had to make. There was no Mkhitaryan, and he had to decide, was he going to stick with a struggling Jack Wilshire? Uh, was he going to go with Welbeck or Awobi or Welbeck and Awobi? And I think he was tossed another curveball when a Granite Shaka turned up with the flu or therefore did not turn up because of the flu, and he had to replace him. As far as the decisions he made, do you think he got it right sticking with Jack, bringing in Danny and, and dropping El Nini in the central midfield? Well, as I told you beforehand, no, he absolutely shouldn't have played Jack. Uh, well, obviously based on the evidence of the evening, Jack's 
in a continual funk. Uh, seems to be in a bit of a downward slide. I'm sure we'll have a little bit of a ch- chat about Jack. Uh, yeah, I think go so. Along, <laughs> it it just didn't pan out this night once again. Um, and it just leaves us so open in midfield. So no, that was that was the wrong call. I mean, he should know by now. If Jack's lighting it up in training, that's another matter, but I bet he isn't. So he kind of knew what he was putting out on the pitch, and it, it left us pretty exposed for much of the game. Yeah. So, yeah, and no, it, he fucked up. It, it really prevented us from creating the kinds of openings and opportunities against them that we did in the first leg. I mean, I, I don't think anyone would say they wanted to see us defend like we did in the first leg, but I think we all felt that if we could... Uh, create the openings we did in the first leg that this would be comfortable and it took us until Jack went off to really start to create those openings part of the problem for me Clive is you know El Nenia comes away with a man of the match performance in the end but I actually think that this was almost two performances in one for El Nenia the thing that is so interesting is we kind of regard him as a defensive minded midfielder but I'm starting to reassess my opinion on that because I thought he struggled certainly in the first half of the first half and and for much of the first half to come to grips with that deep-lying playmaker, central midfield, defensive midfielder role, however you want to describe it or define it. Uh, I thought we missed Shaka and his his line-breaking, his progressive passing from deep. And interestingly, while then he can cover the ground, I don't think he necessarily has the defensive positioning he's often credited for. So early on... I didn't think that it worked for him back there. As far as them starting to create threats and cause us problems, it was really a nothing game for a while. I, the, the goal they eventually got, and we'll come to that, created some anxiety, which led this to be a little more dramatic than it needed to be. But do you think we just about had the balance right in the first half in the sense that we we weren't really doing anything, but neither were they, and we were just kind of professionally killing off the tie for most of the first half? Yeah, they, they started off sort of, you know, trying to make it a boring night. And so you have to sort of look at the game in context and look at the performances in context. We were trying to just bore everyone to death, just do just enough to make them not swarm us, but make sure that we, you know, don't get swarmed ourselves. So make sure we press when we need to, be a bit aggressive, try to move them off the ball, and then keep the ball in, in an unambitious way. So that period of the game, was quite professional. So I wouldn't really judge anybody during that period because it was a team thing. It's a team probably taking the game in 20-minute chunks. Let's go 20 minutes doing nothing and try to get the next 10 minutes doing nothing until their first little goal, which sort of upset everything a little bit and got the crowd awake and got momentum going. And about 500 people took their tops off in the crowd and it looked it looked like a different place, right? So, um, so yeah, I, I just sort of looked at the game and thought, make it boring, kill it. But we weren't able to for various reasons, which I'm sure you're going to get onto. Yeah, and one of the things that I think has to be looked at here, I mean, it's easy to discuss, you know, Jack's day. And I think let's save Jack for just a little bit later on in the pod. But, Paul, we have to look at how our defense is playing. And part of defending is defending, tackling, intercepting, stopping chances. And we haven't been very good at that this season. But another part of defending is actually being a footballer on the pitch who has to play the ball. And where I think our problems may have started was actually deep distribution and the lack of ball security that we showed at the back. So let me just give you our past success rates for our back four. Nacho Monreal, 73%. Shodran Mustafi, 77%. Koscielny, a very respectable 87%. Bellerin, 75%. And Petr Cech, 16%. 
16%. So as far as the challenge we had really creating the safety we wanted to and building from the back and trying to create sustained periods of possession and longer moves, you can't do that if your back four aren't uh, tidy with the ball, can you? No, you can't, though uh, probably uh, when you have multiple defenders struggling to pass the ball out, it's more to do with the outlets, um, <laughs> maybe yeah. more to do with the fact that we started slow, that they, you know, we've seen this a few times recently uh, and and probably a lot uh, longer than that too, but certainly in recent times where we go out against teams um teams were supposed to be better than and they have that half yard all over the pitch and a half yard is i mean it's everything uh if it's if it's every player on every tackle every challenge or every time we're looking to distribute the ball they're on their toes and we're not um we just didn't have that fluidity so i i, I mean obviously um we could have been sharper in our passing out, but you know, it's like defense. It's a team game. And I don't think the options were there. I think positionally we weren't particularly good. We'll talk about Jack, but he clearly struggled. Um, so there's one of your two pivots. Um, El Nenny, I think was okay, but, but not brilliant for the, for the early stages of the game. I don't think Ramsey had really worked out, exactly where he was going to be playing seeing as we were in a kind of in a defensive position so he he was floating around doing useful things but but we didn't really have a useful structure for playing out so and Mesut had kind of a funky game all game he was kind of seemed to be thrown a little bit of a moody of of frustration or whatever He, he certainly didn't have that look you know you know with your dog where the ears are up (laughs) <laughs> he didn't have his ears up. He didn't have his ears um, up. Fair enough. And, and even when, we, you know, uh, it, it carried through no matter what was going on in the game, whether we scored, whether we just scored, which would have been towards the end, he still didn't really look like he'd perked up. So yeah, he, he's, he, he's a bit of a funny fella. He had a sort of first gear quality about him, and I think that's the challenge yeah. when you don't know whether to stick or twist in a game like this, right? Because you're you are trying to manage your way through the game right with a three goal lead and so i yeah. don't know that we've seen all the results everywhere else and yeah. it's in moscow so there's a bit of an, an intimidation factor and at the same time although we didn't have a great first half as you kind of alluded to it kind of worked defensively it also kind of worked offensively i know i know the xg numbers looked really poor till very late in the game mm-hmm. but the x this was one game where we actually had three really good chances, maybe more in the first half um, that apparently didn't show up much in terms of XG, but the eye test says we, we easily could have had a couple of, a goal or two in the first half without particularly playing well. Just the kind of sitting back and hitting them on the break was kind of working. Um, you know, Lacazette had a chance. Danny had a chance. Uh, there were two crosses, I think, from Ramsey that uh, or there was one, yeah, there was at least one from Ramsey, possibly two. There was a Bellerin cross that got blocked off. Didn't Koscielny you know, have a good, a good volley opportunity? Or was that in the sec? That was yeah, probably yeah. in the second half, but where they volleyed over from relatively close in a set piece, yeah. 
Um, yeah, early in the second half, though. So it, kind of a continuation of the same pattern where it, we may not have been playing great, but it, I could understand why we're in that middle ground of, hey, we haven't conceded yet, um, but we're getting our chances. So, you know, let's not do, do anything crazy here. So it, it's one of those, the worst place to be is in the middle where you haven't decided you're really going to be defensive and you haven't decided you're really going to be attacking. And I think we had that kind of ennui, malaise yeah. of, all right, do we push harder or do we become a bit more secure here? And yeah. they made the decision for us. It can be a tough situation to manage. I think we, we saw it against Ostersunds as well. Um, we saw it a little bit against Milan. Granted, those second legs were at home, but after big victories in the first leg it is hard to approach a game where you're just trying to get the minutes to go by. And we kind of had that going until they got their goal. You know, I, I think... When you're not secure, when you do... Well, you, you know, which we, just we aren't, been for period. A while, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so that makes a very... And it's not exactly people sit around the table and, to say, and decide, all right, let's, let's attack now. It's kind of a team... Uh, uh, this weird process where a team changes together what they're going to do and it's not some some guy shouting on the sidelines it, it's kind of there's an energy that comes with the team when you when when it when the kind of tide goes in your direction so it's not something you just flick a switch so you can understand why it's this kind of murky middle ground of not attacking enough not defensing enough and and Every time we did get stretched out, we looked vulnerable. Well, and, and realistically, I just don't know that the group of players that were on the pitch is set up to be a a kill-them-with-possession kind of team. I, I know that Elneny can play a, a high volume of passes at a, at a good clip, a good percentage, but when you look at Ramsey, when you look at Ozil, these are players that want to play more progressive passes, that want to be driving the ball forward or driving themselves forward. They're not sitting in the middle of the pitch and ex- exchange you know, triangle passes for 90 minutes. So I, I don't know that we yeah. have the personnel to do that. Um, I agree. I'm sure Clive wants to jump in on yeah, El Nenny, yeah. but I'll, I'll say one quick thing about El Nenny. This is probably completely wrong, but he seems to be really good at side-to-side passes and killer through balls. But but there's like a whole range of other things he doesn't do so. Passing-wise, he's either one or the other. It's side-to-side or... You know, yeah, he, he doesn't seem to be a build-up player, a first phase of the yeah. build-up kind of player. Um, he either seems to be a sort of metronomic, wall-pass, um, possession yeah. player, and he does have a little bit of that dagger ball in the final third, but I don't know that he is a, a line-breaker or a, a build-up player. And, you know, Clive, this is what I wanted to come to with Elneny. We can talk about the way he thrived in the last 20 or 30 minutes of the game, and he did. But I, I think it would be inaccurate to say that this was a phenomenal performance from him. I, I, I'm not saying he did everything poorly, but I think when you look at how isolated Bellerin and Monreal were in particular, they both passed in the low 70 percentile, which is not characteristic for either of them, especially for Monreal. And they were very, very isolated. And I don't think CSK particularly energetically pressed. But I don't know that El Nenny knows where the spaces to drop into to be available for his teammates. I know that Ramsey bombs forward, and as a result, he doesn't create that that other option, that other angle for his teammates. I mean, what did you make of El Nenny before the switch, before Jack came off, before he got to move forward and really change the game completely for us and was brilliant? What do you make of the way he, he deputized for Shaka? I thought he'd done it very, very well. And I actually, I, I do disagree with you there. I think he's... 
number one trick is his support line running. So what you see from a lot from Aaron Ramsey is he runs in straight lines going forward. So if you're a defender, you see shorts, and that's how he gets you know a lot of his goals running in straight lines at retiming. And what you see from Elneny, you see a lot of running from side to side to create the angle, to help out his defenders, to help out his midfielders under a bit of pressure. I think support line running is his, his number one thing. I think where he's improved for me is that he's punching his passes through the lines and he's following his paths. And I think players appreciate a player that's always there to get them out of trouble. I think he does that well. For my own personal bias, I love team players. I love people that sacrifice themselves for somebody he's else. He's a lovely fella, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's been really, really good. He's redeveloping a personality in the club and, and he seems to really want to play for the club. I think he's been a real breath of fresh air this season and he never moans when he's when he's on the bench. When he comes on, he might play one in three games, but that game, he always gives you a seven out of ten, which tells you how hard he must be working in training because he never seems to be lacking in fitness. When we you bought know what him, I he, thought was brilliant, Clive? You know that bit towards the end, like 80-something oh, minutes? Yeah. Yeah, when, when he's like doing those things back and forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he doing kept the on. Runs. They gave, it wasn't, you know, it was one of those things where you might laugh at him for getting the run around. But fuck it, they gave up. They <laughs> gave up, went down like, the other way. And I think yeah. for, for an Arsenal, you know, we're, you know, we're an on-the-ball team. And to see a player do that off the ball and just basically run himself into the ground the last two minutes and just to make sure we didn't concede. Stupid. He, yeah, he didn't I, care. I, I, I have to say, I, I love players like that who just, who really give everything they've got and, and I, I just loved it. I thought his performance was very good. I, I do think he plays passes through the lines. I do think he builds up brilliantly because what he does, he's one fault for me is sometimes he passes to the nearest person but he'll do that in the last third as well by his own box and sometimes you need to go a little bit longer to, as a clearance he did it to jack once i think he was literally three yards away and he intercepted the ball and he popped it to him straight away at a time when he really didn't want it and he does that and i, I see that as a fault he's got a picture but it's almost like the nearest player and he has now developed a slightly wider picture as we saw with his, with his passing but yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of his um, work rate, support line running. I think his passing has improved, and I think his sprinting speed has slightly improved. I see a little bit more aggression to close down spaces. And I've gone over the top on Elneny before, and I really want him to... I think he's kicked Jack out of the team. He had the highest last third passes in this game. So if you think Jack is a last third passer, well, he, he was done. Um, and I think Ramsey being such an off-the-ball player, you need somebody that's ball-hungry. You need that balance. You need someone that looks around and says, where's Ramsey gone? Okay, he's gone off there. I'll go over there and fill that space. I feel with, with Jack and Ramsey sometimes, when Ramsey, he's got a more forceful personality, when he decides to go, sometimes Jack decides to go. Or he doesn't, he doesn't see the space. He doesn't want to cover that space. It's not a criticism, just who he is. He wants to play make as well. He won't look to his right and think, well, Ramsey's vacated. I need to go over there and make sure that hole is filled. And so you need a player like an Elneny, and Shaka does it as well. And I think the three of them is our midfield. I like it. That three, to me, is a, is a real balance. And, and I don't see 
Jack in that first level at the moment. No, I, I agree with that. See, it's funny. I thought El Nenny's best periods of the game were two extremes. I thought his best periods were when he sort of nominally took up the 10 role and replaced Jack, when he was obviously brilliant. He had the two assists, and I thought he was... Yeah. He was very effective in the attacking half. And let's not forget, by the way, he puts the ball in the back of the net. Now, he's a good yard offside, but he's making yeah. that that secondary run, right? And That was a good header. Yeah, it was a great header. It was a, a, a composed finish from an offside position, no question. But he got into those spaces, and those are spaces Wilshire was not getting into. He was not running in behind. He was not making the extra, the overlapping run. But... The other period of the game where I thought he did okay was actually when he dropped in to play sweeper or more like a central defender in the back three before we got Chambers on. I feel like El Nenny can can cut out passing lanes and can be safe on the ball and can be positionally disciplined when he's kind of playing really deep, almost like that central defender. And I think he can play a little more progressively when he's in the attacking half. Where I think he struggles is when he's given the freedom of that entire central midfield space to really have to be the fulcrum, the hub in our hub-and-spoke system the way Shaka does. And Shaka gets a lot of things wrong, but the thing he gets right is popping up into those spaces to receive and distribute, at least when he's playing well. When he's not playing well, he, he lets himself get marked out of the game. But so, you know, to me, the the issue with us, the reason I think it was a nothing game in the first half was that El Nenny was struggling maybe a little bit just to come collect the ball off the back four and turn and break the lines and get it up to the more advanced players. And some of that may be the pure immobility of Wilshire to give him an extra option because Wilshire just could not move. And we'll, we'll come to that next, but Clive, do you want to have a final thought sort of on that, on that period of the match? Yeah, I just want to say with our Nenny, he's a classic player. I think that some, you know, Arsenal fans struggle to sort of analyze. I often hear things like labels, like, well, he's a squad player, or he just keeps the ball moving, continuity player. And I Swiss see a Army knife, utility player, all of those yeah, sort of generalizations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and everyone put, they all, you know, they, they put a limit on him. I mean, you know what I see? I see a player that's very fit, very uh, metronomic, but I see a player that's adding layers to his game. I see his passing quicker, passing more forward. He was much more negative last year of his passing. Passing forward, sprinting, closing down more. He's, he's, he's playing longer passes, last third passes. Sometimes you have to recognise when somebody's improving, right? And I think he is generally improving, and I think he's winning over a lot of fans. He's won over the people inside the club. He's got himself a new contract. He could have moved. He didn't want to move. And I think, you know what? Fair play to you, mate. You're building your game, and you really, to me, I see him as a centre midfielder. And that's what he is. He can sit in front of back four. He can sit behind the back four. And he can now develop in a game higher up, which he didn't have. And I think that's a massive credit to him. And I look forward to watching him for a couple more years. He's still improving. He's 25, 26 max. So he's one of our core players, right? So, yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I, I don't... He's great hair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got those flowing locks. You, you just certainly can't argue with that. I don't... You know, it's it's really tough. I think the fact of the matter is because we are so short of real defensively minded central midfielders and because the only one we've had is Francis Coughlin and he was so limited technically. Sorry, Paul. Um, we have, You're testing I, me. I know. You're I think we have a tendency me. to dub Mohamed Elneny as a, d- a defensive midfielder, and he's not. I You know, I don't think he is. I think what we've seen yeah, is agreed. that he... He can be more progressive and he can be more dynamic, but I don't, you know, and, and maybe there's a little of that Arteta in him, but he's not Granite Shaka and he's not 
you know, Conte. He's he's neither of those players. And I think where he's brilliant, Elliot, to support your point is his real gift is knowing that space as kind of the second pivot in midfield. Um, knowing that space to to support Jack or support whoever's playing the DM role, he's really really good at at keeping on that that radius length. Um, that 10 yards or whatever yeah. it is to receive that pass. And it hasn't always worked brilliantly, but I suspect it's less El Nini and more how we're structured in midfield. He's, he's ultimately a team player, and he ultimately his first thing is to make sure he's in the right spot to receive the right distances, etc. And when, when that's not working, I think it's less him and more our structure. And I'll give him I'll give him this. It's a really challenging situation because Danny Welbeck is not a possession oriented player. Aaron Ramsey's bombing forward. Jack Wilshire is, you know, becoming a boat anchor. And he was kind of on his own there, right? I mean, there, yeah. it is a really hard position playing that deepest central midfield position for Arsenal because you've got no one with you. You are well, you are all by yourself and in thirty even yards of pitch. Ozil, who, who's really good at, at dropping and picking up the ball. You know, he, he's not a physical player, so he'll get knocked off the ball. And you got so you got Jack getting mugged, you got Ozil getting mugged. Uh, Ramsey's kind of hit and miss from midfield. He he'll play the flick and run on, so it's high stakes. So the ball keeps coming back at us, especially when we're that half yard short. So I, I think it 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 uh, costs El Nenny his kind of his control over the midfield. It gives you, you some sympathy for, for Shaka too, right? I mean, we've killed Shaka yeah. at times, but th- it is hard to thrive in that central, that deepest central midfield role for Arsenal right now, the way it is constructed, yeah. because Ramsey is not going to sit there next to you. He's not going to give you that yep. security. Um, I actually, can I just say something? Yeah, I actually course. liked, I liked the way they flipped Jack and um, Ramsey around for this game. Jack was slightly deeper, and I thought, I know Ramsey sort of. I thought he had a really quite a good game playing a half and half role. He was he didn't have to run so far. He was slightly higher up, but what he does really well is he, he drops in and just creates a body to go to pass around. So he does recovery, not fast, but he works hard in. And so then he think from that slightly deeper position, but not so deep. He hasn't got to travel forty yards to get into the box. He can smell chances further forward a lot easier, and that to me is his position. For me, he I've always said. He's not the second midfielder, he's the third midfielder. And if he was given a chance to be a true third midfielder after the one that, if you get back in, that's great, but we won't be exposed if you don't. But if you get forward, great, because you've got goals in you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm, and he's scoring more regularly, and I I like that flip. But now, if you're going to play Jack deeper, Elneny just does it better. He's, and he gives me more security, and at this moment in time, where Jack is, is laboring, I think there's no there's no contest, right? And then he just kicks him he off. He can't the move. I must he agree, just Clyde. can't move. I, I mean, Paul, but, uh, let, I'll let you in here. Uh, I, I just yeah. yeah, I just want to quickly say one. The one thing I agree agree with there with Clive and on the Jack thing. The one piece that worked was him and Ramsey have a good understanding. It was the only thing that was good about Jack's game, and they did some reasonable flipping. And Jack was okay for a little while at the start of the game before it kind of nosedived. But that was the he one got, he thing got a kick, didn't I thought he, he quite got, well. He, he yeah. got a big kick. I watched a game today with my brain on, and he and he got a <laughs> he got a heavy kick on the on the ankle, right? And um, and he got yeah. smashed in the face early as well. Nearly knocked him out. 
And I suppose when we watch a game, we watch it from his um, high-level performance, and when he dips below it, we think, okay, you've had a bad game. And we sometimes forget the fact that he was limping really early on and was, you know, was in a bad way. So maybe, given the benefit of doubt, that could have been a, a massive issue. I think once for Welbeck about two or three games ago, when he ricked his back early in the game, had a shocking game on the left, and then, of course, last night he was he was running around like Shergar. Well, it, it was a telltale style when, sign when Jack gestured to the sideline to the bring on the contract and the pen. Yeah, yeah, that that, <laughs> yeah. that tells you all you need to know. Look, I, I um, I, I just think the problem for Jack now is he physically can't do it anymore. And you, you know, I, yeah. I think about Per Mertesacker, and like he was a perfectly acceptable central defender for a long time, and then he lost a quarter step from already being slow and he could not physically play football anymore and every time he stepped on the pitch he's looked like a shambles this season granted he hasn't done it much but he he just cannot play anymore Jack looks like he can't play and I'll use an anecdote and I know it's kind of silly when you compare playing like with your friends at a gym or something versus you know professional athletes but I used to play a lot of basketball when I was younger and I was bad at it. Were you a lot taller? Or? No, I was still this short, and and I was challenged in all the ways you might expect, stereotypically. But Spud web. Yeah, uh, except with a 10-inch vertical. Um, it's the only 10-inch thing about me, by the way. So, look. I'm on tenterhooks to what see I used what we to do from your basketball career. Is I did what a lot of talentless basketball players did, is I focused on my defense, right? I was agile, I was quick, and I could get in that, that low defensive stance and shuffle my feet and make life difficult for people, and that kept me relevant on the court. Except yeah. I destroyed my ankle like 17 different times. And so finally it got to the point where I would do the thing you do when you can't shuffle like that anymore. I'd play defense with my arms. You know, I'd reach out. I'd try to swat the ball. I'd take the lazy approach, try to swat the ball away because I knew I couldn't shuffle. I knew I couldn't run along with the guy who was trying to dribble past me. I couldn't get off the ground anymore to challenge a shot. And so I did lazy things. And what I see with Jack is is a guy who whose body doesn't have the explosiveness now when he's doing lazy things, trying to buy a foul because he knows he can't get by a guy, hoping the referee will let him off the hook. Um, when he's beaten, uh, a guy who you know pretends that the pass is l- being left for his teammate. I mean, there was the one moment where there was a pass laid on for him, and he just kind of watched it roll by him because he would have had to take a step forward to go get it. Um, he can't burst around people, and I think what's happened is so much of Jack's game was about tempo, and the tempo has changed for him, and that has changed his release point for passes, his timing of passing, and it's all off now. He's not bursting past his marker, so he can't release the passes in the same angle in the same way. And so it's all falling apart for a player who was all about tempo and timing and a little quick burst in small spaces. He doesn't have any of that anymore, and he just looks like he has absolute lead in his boots, and he can't play, and he can't play as a result because that what? that lead. Wasn't he better? He can play. He, he, can, he can't wasn't he better play. than this six. He, hang on, hang on. Uh, uh, so I I can't cr- criticize a word you're saying right now, except if I climb in the little time machine. He was better than this about two months ago. Do you remember yes. when so, Ramsey was out? So let me say out? this. So so ja- uh, hang on. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Quick point. Ramsey was out. Jack was playing, and we were having discussions about whether Ramsey could just walk back into the team, whether it was fair to Jack based on his performances. Well, a few now, things. First of all, that, that was during a, week a massive decline in our performance. I mean, I think we praised Jack as being the best player in our nil-nil with West Ham. You know, <laughs> like so. I mean, it was it was kind of a low bar. But I think the problem yeah, was look when I say he can't it, it, play, he's obviously able to play. Well, yes, but when I'm so, saying he can't play, I, I one of the biggest reasons I'm saying it is physical limitations. And when he was good 
good this season, it was for those first couple of weeks he got back into the team and he had that burst. And he and I think we were all surprised we would come on the pod and say, he's got a little of that burst. He's got that that ability to get past his man. But it went so quickly. And I think that's the problem is he week in, week out, he doesn't have it. The, the demands of professional football aren't what can you do on a given night. It's what can you do on a given night after doing it 22, 28, 32, sure. 40 times a season. And I think within weeks of him giving that that performance, his body has stopped being able to. Clive, you want to jump in real quick? Yeah, I, I'm sort of with Paul on this, right? And it's not. I, I went. This comes as no surprise. Game. I knew this was how the pod was going to set up. So let's just well, do this. I, I, I think we we all do this, and, and in, ourselves included. I went to Liverpool game the three all draw, and without doubt, Jack was our best player on the pitch versus the most mobile team in the league. And he was our most mobile midfielder. So he can do it. So something's happened. He got ill at Christmas and he came back quite quickly because I think Ramsey had his, his yearly hamstring, right? He missed 14 games. So he came back quite quickly. And basically, I don't think it's been the same since. And then he picked up his knee injury. And and, and he, he's now looking like the player that before he went to Bournemouth. He's now diving on the floor all the time. He's now always getting treatment every two minutes. He, he's always feeling his ankle. So all the things that he struggled with, that he didn't struggle with at the first half of the season, have all reappeared. He's starting to get hit more, and he's starting to try to hurt people more and do stupid things. So he's gone back to his default, which tells me he's struggling for mobility at a time when he really wants to put an impression down and he's not able to do it. So something's happened. And that's that's the physical side. And then there's a the contractual side. right? So it's obvious he's not getting his money. Arsenal have got his medical records so they know what they're going to offer him. He probably knows who's coming in the summer. And it's going to put him under more pressure for that role in the centre midfield. And he's looking at himself. And I actually, if I was Jack Wilshire, and I, and I like the player, if I was him and Everton were offering me an £8 million signing on fee and I've got metal pins in both ankles, I would be taking it. I and I hope he does. Because he has the rest of he has a young family, he has the rest of his life to to live. I would take it. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity to secure your future completely. And and he's got to think about it as a business decision because I think he's going to be under immense pressure from the players we already have. Players like Mkhitaryan, who could also, when he's going to reach 30, drop deep and play that role just as well as Jack can. Ozil's future potentially will be deeper as he gets older. I look around and I see these young players coming through like Maitland-Niles. Where's he going to want to play in a couple of years' time? So it's just there. And if we make signings that position, if I was him, I would secure my future elsewhere. And it's not because I don't like him. It's just business. Yeah, right? but I'm fine I, with that. I wouldn't say <laughs> like, I wouldn't say that he can't play. <laughs> I think if you, the big difference, Elliot, what he's doing right now is he's showing his opposition player his number. When he's really flowing, he's always on the half turn and he always protects the ball on the outside of his left foot, the furthest foot away from the from the player, and he's just impossible to dispossess. What's really shocking me is not just the mobility; that's obviously that's injury wise. But the fact he's not protecting the ball, and that's his number one strength. And that tells me he's not concentrating, he's not informed, he's not thinking about his pictures. He's just working as hard as he possibly can work. And he obviously looks disadvantaged. And it looks like Wenger's playing him 
because he doesn't want to upset him while he's trying to get him to sign the contract. And I think it's obvious to me that when he plays higher, he won't be the better option. And when he plays deeper now, on the end, he's the better option. And that's without the summer signings and a fit Mkhitaryan coming in. And uh, I think the... Uh, the writing's on the wall, right? Yeah. And that's, and, that's, it definitely is. And look, let's let's put it this way, right? If Aaron Ramsey didn't get you goals and goal-scoring opportunities, Aaron Ramsey wouldn't be a good midfielder to have because he sacrifices parts of his midfield responsibility to do that. But he does it at such a high level that he becomes a very valuable player. And he does do other things, but that's his big his big bonus. I look at Jack and I see a play over the last four games. I mean, against CSK in both legs now, in his his 20-minute cameo against Southampton and in that game against Stoke. Not only did he struggle, but I see a guy who was playing in a more advanced role who had no key passes and no shots in any of these games. And so, you know, if I have a player who's not rangy, not mobile, not explosive physically, and I'm I'm playing him up there presumably for his the way he reads the game and his technical quality, and he's giving me no key passes, you know, no assists, no goals, no shots, then... You know, I, I have to wonder about that. I know we had the one where he kind of first-time volleyed it back for the sitter that Welbeck missed. Um, but, you know, again, for the most part, he, he's really struggling to influence the game in terms of offensive output. And if he can't do that, I don't know how he fits in. When I say he can't play, I don't mean he physically cannot play football anymore. I, I mean he can't play for us because he cannot contribute in the ways we need him to. So, uh, look, we could do a whole jackpot, I think, the one thing we will all agree, can we all at least agree that in the semifinal against Atletico, he cannot be a starting he cannot be a starting player for us. We just can't, we cannot not, have him in there. Not for me, not like this. But don't you think he looks injured too, Elliot? Don't you uh, yeah, think well, the way he's this. running? I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know if he's injured or he's just bur- broken as a player. But what I will say is, yes, we saw a little bit more of the burst in energy. I just don't think his legs have it in him anymore. I mean, the one thing we've seen. Clive is his body shape and his body type change. He used to be a fairly slight player who was very light on his feet. He added a lot of muscle, and I don't know if yeah. he can be as quick on his feet with that muscle, and he may have added that muscle to bulk up for the Premier League and the demands of the game and to protect himself, but I think he's lost that lightness, that quickness, and I don't know that he is getting it back. And I, I certainly don't think that we can risk, in the near term, him in the semifinal, and in the long term, a contract on a player who needs that burst and that lightness on his feet who does not appear to be regaining it. And it, it gives me no joy to say this. Can, can we all just make the point that, like, declaring Jack no longer the quality we need isn't, like, something that I want to take a bow and catch roses from the crowd for. I loved this guy. He was my favorite player for a period. I just, I see him for what he is now, a player where injuries and circumstance have robbed him of the physical traits he needed to be effective. You know, I mean, if you told me Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was going to lose two steps of pace, I'd say he's un- he, he can't play. You know, I mean, there are certain players that depend on certain physical attributes. So, yeah, Clive, he, he looks injured, but maybe it's not that he's injured. Maybe it's just this is, this is what his body can give right now. Um, and, and, you know, and he that's is true. always injured. And he is always injured. Okay, mm-hmm. look, we could do a jackpot, but I think, I think we've kind of landed on where we are with that. I want to I at least make sure we hammer Mustafi a little bit before we get on to the other stuff about the game because it would be really? a shame not to do that. Um, really? Well, look, so for their, for their first goal, I have him not, maybe not 100% to blame, but it disgusts me the way he goes to sleep and just watches his man walk in for the tap-in. I mean, do, Paul, do you see that differently? 
so it's kind of. I mean, Check gets down, and look, Check made a mistake on the second goal. That's on him, no question. But he actually made some really big, good saves in this game. And he gets down really smartly with a strong hand to keep the ball out. And Mustafi has a great view uh, sitting in his deck chair uh, as as the goal is scored. You don't see that being his his fault. Um. No, I mean that's just one of those tough ones. Knowing where the ball's going to spill out to. I mean the but attacker you know who your has his own is. momentum. I mean he's standing yeah. next to him, and then he he doesn't body him. He doesn't step in front of him. you know. If all he does is take a step forward and cut across him, he doesn't give him that easy lane to run into. You got to be goal side. You got to be goal side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just yeah, stands exactly. there looking at the ball, ball watching. Oh, someone's watching it. He's watching. It. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm that's, watching that's good. it now. That's good. This all is right. what is this your fourth Knock time? It down. Yeah, he's he's. You you know, gets, it's, it's a natural defender reaction, Paul. When you see a shot coming, your first job is to just be closer to the goal than that player. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, just I, stands there. I, also, can, can we agree, you get the benefit of the doubt when something is out of character, but we've seen this kind of lapse from him, in fact, just in the previous game. So it's c- kind of consistent. The other thing is, I, I, I think I'm a little worried about his distribution because he's a player who... One of his strong attributes as a defender is supposed to be his passing, and he's passing in the seventies right now, per, you know, percent wise, and that's that's troubling. I mean, if, how? I'm just, I'm just watching. It. I think it's very harsh, guys. I mean, yeah, he's supposed to be goal side. Yeah, it's his man. Yeah, he sh- he should be anticipating. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. <laughs> but the striker's got the momentum. He's the guy who's who's already running. So, um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, watch, watch Sergio Ramos in a game and see how many times he's wrong sided by. You know, the shit happens. I just thought he was all over the place this game. I thought he got pulled out of position a lot and his distribution was poor. I mean, pa- uh, Paul, you don't. Backs were, were probably one of the better parts of our defending. I thought Kachelny did, did really really did pretty good. I mean, Clive, Clive am, I, am I? Did I see this wrong? I mean, because I, no, I do have no, a bias I, against I, Mustafi. I admit that. I, I listened to, obviously, I, had, I missed a couple of pods, right? I listened to the last pod, and as you were talking about Mustafi, I was almost shouting at my, at my phone, right? Because I, I I am so disappointed in this player. I, I have to say, the mistakes that he makes, how he's affecting the, the stability of our team, how he's affecting the, the players around him, I, I think he's really a player that's under under pressure he does so many things wrong and to a point now and tim mentioned a couple of weeks ago and i totally agree he the only way to get the best out of him is in the center of a back three and that's when he's better because i think he has a gene in him that says i need to be able to do what i like and everyone else can react to me and fine enough when he went to the back three he could charge forward yep and you got to and then suddenly the other two center backs dropped back but when he charges forward and leaves his mate with two men around him, it's just irresponsible, right? So he needs to be the lead piston in a back four, and like Sol Campbell used to be, and then wherever wherever Sol went, you just covered the spaces behind him, right? So he needs that. He needs to be absolutely to be allowed to go and smash people, go in, be really tight, be aggressive. But because we play a back four with fullbacks that are never in their holes and Koscielny covering, it leaves us exposed. And he leaves us exposed many, many times, right? Because he, he, because of his physical stature or lack of it, he has to take gambles. He has to read things on the front foot. He has to be mentally sharp. He has to be aggressive to make up for his lack of size. We're back to Spud Webb again, right? To be, you make up for your size 
by being positionally really good and really read things and being really fast in the challenge. So he does things like, if you watch him go for first headers, he runs from the side, he takes long run-ups, and then he, then he can look good in the air because he's got a much greater momentum. He, he, he's worked out how to get the maximum out of his body. But when he's not mentally right, suddenly looks like a five foot ten, ten and a half that can be bullied. Right? And that's what happens. So for me, it's centre-back free or you are a problem. And we've got a problem there with two of our centre-backs because Koscielny's looking weaker, not as strong. He doesn't look as um, muscular any longer. He's not winning as many duels. He's still our best defender by a mile, but he's not as perfect as he used to be. And Mustafi, he's like we say over here, he's like a box of rebels, right? You put your hand in, you're not sure what's going to come out. Right? So, um, And that's it. And that's where we are with him. And so two centre-backs, please, in the team next year. Yeah. And the, Because you can't do anything without defensive stability. And so until that point, surely we've got to head back to a back three to get us through these big games that are upcoming. And it's funny, when the shit hits the fan, you go back to you to save your neck. You go back to something. And it's funny that when we were rocking, he went back to the back three, we got stability again. Chambers in a position that he can play really well. His favourite position on the right of a three. And suddenly Mustafi looked better and Koscielny was pretty decent the whole night. And we stabilised the game and went on and won it. And you know what's interesting? If you look at Golovin, and Golovin was dominating us early in the match. Really nice player. Popping up in all those pockets of space. You know, 20, He's quite, quite fast, isn't he? Yeah. He's very he, fast. He's just a, a really intelligent player in terms of the, the way he uses space and, and how quickly he gets to the right places. And this is what I find interesting. When we use a back four, the area that gets exploited a lot, other than all the area behind the back four when we're pressing, pressing up, but when we're in our defensive shell, the area where we're vulnerable seems to be the area right in front of the center backs. You know, the five yards in front of the center backs where we wind up dropping off and giving too much space. And Golovan hurt us from that situation a lot. And when we switch to a back three, that central center back and our deepest central midfielder tend to cover that space better and there's less yeah. freedom. And Golovan had, had a mare, basically, from the point we switched to the back three and especially once Wilshire came off. And you even saw it, by the way, for their second goal, uh, uh, Czech definitely makes a mistake. It's a huge mistake, obviously. But the shot comes in because Jack just doesn't close down. The central defenders don't close down. And there's tons and tons of space for him to take that shot. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a question of how you defend the space. And we don't defend the space in front of the center backs well unless we have that third center back. But, I yeah, mean, and Mustafi does it really well, though, doesn't he? He, he does, goes of into course, because he, he likes to step into that space. And he yeah. also, he's, he's more, I think he's more authoritative with his passing from that space. Because he can step up into the deeper part of midfield and really pick out pick out a better pass. So I think you're right. We probably have to go to that against Atletico because I, I worry about getting picked off, you know, Griezmann, Sal, those the guys that can use that space in front of the back four. They're just too intelligent and, and you know, especially Costa if if he's fit and we'll see. We'll we'll get to the Atletico match in just a bit. So yeah, I take that point on board. But, Paul, I, I think one player who is struggling right now is Hector Bellerin. And God bless him, the guy has played 10 million minutes this season. Do you think Bellerin just needs to be sat down for a couple of weeks to, to get back to being fit to play football? Or do you think there's more at work here? Yeah, I don't know, really. Um, yeah, he's, he seems very flat at the moment. He hasn't, hasn't really been spectacular for a while. 
He's played uh, so he was, much. He plays every game. Yeah. yeah. It's got to stop. And he talked <laughs> about, yeah, he talked about taking up his yoga and his uh, his feet and ankles getting inflamed from from just the abuse of playing all the time and the yoga's really helped out and stuff. But Bellerin said think that? That's a, yeah. No, yeah, I, he's, I, a vegan. he's also turned he's into a vegan. He's gone vegan. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh, turned into a short the right phrase. <laughs> no, that worked. That works uh, for me. I like that turn of phrase. Yeah, actually, yeah. so so Paul, I mean, do you think we, you know, with with Newcastle and United games coming up, and especially the United game coming up between the semi-final second legs, the, the manager has to find someone to play instead of Bellerin, whether it's Chambers at right back or or Maitland Niles, right? Sure, Maitland Niles, good option. Yeah. Um yeah, he should even Reese Nelson potentially. I mean, I, he's not a fullback, but he did play wingback. Uh, no. Well, he played right wing um, back in, yes. in our group in our group stage games in Europe League. Is all I'm saying. Sure, sure, but uh, I, I guess if we went to three of the back, you could play him as a wing back. Yeah, but okay. yeah. well, look, let, let's, um, I'll stay with you for a second, Paul, because I I, I want to talk about the the good parts of the game. And after Jack went off, we we started to really break them down. I think they also just lost their energy. I I don't think they are a great team. I think they gave everything they had for about an hour, and when we switched to the back three and frustrated them a little, I think they just kind of lost their impetus having said that i mean check makes a great save off a free kick that could have made this a nightmare of a night for us uh to, to keep us from crashing out but i yeah, thought danny welbeck one past the other post too yeah i uh, thought danny welbeck was brilliant uh in this game certainly by welbeck standards but by anyone's standards and he does so well for the goal what did you make of the performance he put in in the goal he scored He's great. I, I really felt until recently he just didn't. He looked like a guy who didn't trust his body, um, just didn't trust anything about his his game, but particularly his body. He didn't seem to think it was there yet. And um, the whole thing about goals giving you confidence. I mean, he just he's a different player now. He's back to uh, Danny as he was before. Um, I, you know, his touch is more assured. I mean, that, that, the build-up into his goal. Well, first, that the turn. turn. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't seen that for a while from him. He, he didn't look like he had any skills beyond kind of kicking the head and running, running at it. Yeah. And, and, like, now that confidence is there to even try that. He absolutely opens up the whole game for us. And the one-two with El Nani is just—it's peach, and he, you know he gets to make sure he stays on right on side, and then kind of that almost Thierry Henry curler into the far corner, uh, which is a the goal he's always had. He, he's not always great at shooting on, on the on the go, but that particular angle of attack uh, seems to me he's always had that that particular goal in his locker. So absolute gem. And the and, pass uh, from the pass from El Nenny, by the way. I mean, Ozil would have been proud of that one. Yeah, absolutely. And Monreal's language was horrifying. Did you? Did you hear? No. Did you hear picked up? Oh yeah. What did he say? When they all huddled, he was like, "Fucking this, fucking that." Nice. <laughs> Why yeah, he went all cockney portion? on his fuckings. The rest of it was Spanish. Well, but, I mean, absolutely wonderful build-up. Yeah, and, and I thought that the thing that's so impressive about Danny is all the way through, right till the end of the game, he's sprinting, he's running. He's just got such an incredible engine. And so it's not just that he has pace and strength in his running, it's that he has it for 90 minutes. I, I don't think Lacazette had as good a game. Uh, well, obviously, no. he didn't have as good a game. And Clive, the thing to me is, you know, it was my opinion, 
that because Lacazette is good on the ball and he can distribute and he's technically sound, that he was a, a guy who maybe didn't have to play striker to thrive and could take one of those sort of wider forward roles. But it doesn't seem to be the case, does it? He, he really no. needs to be playing central striker and, and playing it with guys that can get close to him and, and exchange close passes with him around the area. Yeah, he's, he's a combination player. And then if you get into the box, you cut it back. He's a first-time shooter, right? So um, from just around the penalty spot, he's got a great technique and he has a great uh, shot preparation. If you watch him running to the ball, you feel as though he's going to score when he gets it right. Unlike Danny Welbeck, whose shot preparation and stride pattern ran towards the ball, he's not very consistent. But last night, as he ran towards that pass, you felt he was going to score, didn't you? Because his stride pattern was right, his body shape was right, and that is form and fitness and sharpness. And that's the difference. Now, where Danny Welbeck actually highlighted the chief weakness for me in Lacazette, he was all aggression, all about getting in space, all about taking people on, initiating his move before defender moves and making the defender play his game. Lacazette was passive and timid. He didn't work his man hard enough. He he, made, he was easy to play against. He wasn't aggressive in his running, and he needs to be more aggressive. He can't come out there and just play a couple of nice little touch around the corner to Ozil and then run off into a, a space where you can't be refound in a in a 70% speed. You need to be max speed. Your movement attracts the pass. Really be aggressive in your running. And it's in there. Maybe it's just a reaction. You know, sometimes we come back from injury, the adrenaline takes you through the first couple of games, and then suddenly you hit a bit of a wall because you've been out for six weeks or so. So maybe that was his, I've hit the wall game. Do you, do you think he missed Mkhitaryan, though? I mean, I feel like he's a player who thrives with players that get to the byline, get to the end line, and cut it back, you know, as you were saying. And yeah. Mkhitaryan did that uh, for his goal um, was it in the first CSK game? What was the one where he squeezed that finish in? Was it I, that one? Uh, yeah, he did. I, I, I don't know what it is. Every game's different, right? And last game I saw, he, he linked very well with Bellerin on the right-hand side. And, uh, but no Aubameyang one was overlapping in this side. game. No, see, maybe that was by design that we were just playing more cautiously, but I think he was hurt by the fact that there wasn't a lot of overlapping running going on. Yeah, and, and Bellerin was, was probably under instruction to stay there. Don't you go anywhere, right? right? Exactly, so, um, yeah. And that probably hurt him a little bit. But then when there was opportunities to be really aggressive and really drive into the box, when Welbeck was driving him down the other side, the left-hand side, and he had to drive him on the right-hand side, I just thought he was jogging. And you've got to show some thirst and hunger to get that across your man and get that touch on the near post and really be a target so he can be found in the box. And he's normally very good at that. He just was a little bit off in this game. He's um, definitely been a home uh, player for us too. He has not been good on the travels, and this is a big travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, Welbeck embarrassed him on the night, right? And uh, and then suddenly and Lacazette gets taken off and Danny claps him off. And he just goes to centre forward and says, "Yeah, I'm I'm playing left. I'm playing centre forward, and I'm running this team. I'm running this game." And he was absolutely outstanding. And I just think Lacazette suffered, and he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to put his game out there. You're our forty million pound striker. Start behaving like it, 
and take charge of these areas and really make people find you with your movement. But be, your body language tells you if you really want the ball. And I felt it a bit passive yesterday. Yeah, I agree with that. Paul, Paul, Danny's yeah. got a big role against Atletico, I would think. I well, mean, that, that's that's a question. Yeah, I mean, so, well, let's just come on to it since you brought it up. I mean, the... The reality is that Lacazette is a better striker than Danny Welbeck. He is. He just is. Okay. Now again, on he's a te- different tech. He's more technical striker, right? Think- and um, and he's and he's Danny Welbeck's got good combination play when he's fit, and Danny Welbeck's a, a much more aggressive, long-legged running striker that's not technically at the highest level, but when he's on form, he can be technical. Lacazette's very technical, but he hasn't got the aggression that, that Welbeck's got, in my opinion. Okay, yeah, I mean, right. So, but I, th- I think what we could say is, if they're all in their best form, you're going to pick Lacazette to be your striker over Danny Welbeck in a big game. You know, I would at least think. I don't think they're close enough that you'd say horses for courses. I think in a big game, if they're on form, you'd be picking Alexander Lacazette over Danny Welbeck. But I, yeah. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. And I think the question is, if Mkhitaryan is back for the first leg of the semifinal, I still think you have to go with Lacazette. But if Mkhitaryan is not back, do you potentially just play Danny up front alone, Paul, and and use Awobi or something like that, and and leave Lacazette on the bench? I mean, they didn't seem to work well together. That's for sure. No, I, I agree. Well, what I really would want to do is is play well back along the wings because the one area that Atletico will give you some space is along the wings, uh, almost by design. I think we're going to really, you know, they're, they're pretty good at being compact through the middle. So I think Danny's going to struggle with that. They're not going to leave a lot of of space in behind. So I think he'll struggle through the middle against Atletico. His, the route where he, now as a striker, he might still find the space running along those wings, uh, kind of stepping on the ball and, and playing it back towards whoever's coming through the center, Ramsey or whoever. But you, we don't have a lot of players who, at the moment, who thrive using the, the space that Atletico will give you. So, you know, uh, uh, Welbeck hitting form, Welbeck uh, running strongly with the ball, uh, causing trouble on, on one of the wings is a key component of it. I'm still not quite sure what our lineup should be, but uh, I think Lacazette has the technique to play in, in a crowded middle. Um, we're going to have our work cut out for us, though, obviously. Well, um, yeah. We need on at least one of the two wings. We need somebody who can really use that space out there, who can gallop it up, get us up the field, and put them in some, some trouble uh, as, as Ramsey comes piling through the middle, as, as Ozil comes up in support. Yeah, well, let's throw it back to the Ceska game just really quickly to finish off on it because two more things about that game that I want to touch on, and then we can really dig into the Atletico tie for a few minutes. So, Clive, um, first, Awobi comes on. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good at the weekend. I think he's playing some of his best football again, but not in the box, not in the final third, um, or at least not when it comes to uh, finishing chances yep. that fall to him. And we saw something similar against Southampton. He had the ball in the channel with a reasonable chance to pass it into the net, and he sort of fires in a cross-come shot across the face of the goal. Now, granted, Lacazette maybe should have poked it in, but it was maybe not his best decision. And then much more glaringly in this case, he seems caught between two minds from a pretty open position alone in the box on the left uh, in the left channel and puts it in into no-man's land across the box and, and out in a touch. So, I mean... 
How, how do you feel about Awobi right now? I mean, do you think that his lack of confidence and composure in, in the penalty area outweighs all the other good things he does, or are you mostly encouraged by his form? I think he's complicating his decisions in in the box. He's just making the wrong one. He's choosing the wrong foot, the wrong technique. He's just thinking too much. And when he has his best moments, is when he's he has instant shots, one touches or two touches from outside of the area where it's a power shot. And I think he needs to focus on on that a lot more. Stop the finesse when you're in the box. Just smash it. You've got the power. And he's stopped thinking, smash, hit target, and stop getting caught between two jobs, whether I pass it to a teammate or whether I try to pass it in. Just get it onto your strong side and smash it into the net. You just need to simplify his, his um, finishing thought process, and I think he'll be fine. I think when I look at him as a player, I'm pleased to see he's pulled his socks up, by the way. I like that. And, um, that is, and, uh, that is the big thing with him. I think we can all agree that if there was an issue, that was yeah. it. So yeah, that was the issue. He, he, he's Thank still running. He, he's still running around like a bit. He's, I don't like his hand movements as he runs, but that's just a thing with me. We get all the important details do, on this podcast, friends. Yeah, exactly. But like I do George. think. Yeah, he should be short. I don't mind that now. Now he's got his socks up. Looks like a looks like a pro footballer again, right? But but I do like the fact that he. He again. He looks like he cares, right? He looks like he's trying. He looks like he's a bit sensitive, like say Chamberlain was, but he's trying. And again, he, he's somebody that's trying to develop his game. I do wish. I've said this before. I do wish as a club we would help him a little bit more. He's one of those eight, ten players that we've got so many of. We got Özil, we got Mkhitaryan, we got Ramsey, we got Wilshire, we got Wobi, we got Nelson coming. We just develop these eight-stroke ten players, and I don't think we give them quite enough instruction or jobs and we just hope that they flow on the day and they find a bit of form then we can comment on them but really and none, none of us are really too sure what their roles are at times i'm not sure the players are right so um they don't quite have that defined role and so they can disappear quite quickly but i like the fact that he's fighting back and he's been taken out of the team this time last year he was played through bad form this year he's been taken out and he's come back well recently. And uh, against Newcastle, I think I think he's going to start the game. I think it's going to be quite important. So players like Welbeck, Elneny, three, four weeks ago, we were not talking about them in a positive light. Three, four weeks later, we've gone to a quarterfinal away and they've been players that we found and they're now more key. And so I hope Iwobi can be the next one that comes in because... We've got some big league games coming up in between cup games, and we're going to need him to really help us. So uh, I'm behind him, that's for sure. I think certainly with Jack Wilshire's situation right now, Alex Awobi is going to be in contention for a lot of playing time and a lot of starts, depending on Mkhitaryan's fitness. And so uh, in general, I am I think I'm encouraged because he's playing better, and the end product is frustrating, but... Certainly the way he's playing outside of the, the box has improved, and we needed that. I mean, he, he had hit a really low ebb, and I think he's definitely bounced off that, and his game is coming around again now. He just has to find a way to, to gain that composure, and unfortunately we've, we've had a lot of players say that about, but Danny Welbeck seems to have found that composure, so it's not out of the question that uh, Awobi could. Paul, I have an important question for you, though, before we leave this game behind. Aaron Ramsey uh, is now tied for the all-time lead in goal scoring for a central midfielder in the history of Arsenal Football Club. Do you think Clive will warm up to him now? 
Well, he has, well, he has been at the club I, 25 years. Do you know yeah, what I mean? So, you know what? This yeah. is Paul's question about you, Clive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll keep quiet. Seriously, yeah, though, Paul, I'm putting... Yeah, yeah, no. Clive, yeah. I think, will warm up to him because he likes a guy who, like, you know, who really puts it in, who really feels it, who really contributes it. Clive, did you see the staples in his leg? Oh, man. Yeah, I liked Ooh. it. Yeah. You know, I, I did like him last night. Style-wise, I thought that position suited him and... um yeah, I, I like it when he's unstructured, but I don't Those... like it when he's unstructured. When we are, when we want structure from him, right? So, um, but that third midfielder, I liked it, and um, Clive, I, I really enjoyed watching last night. Clive, if I want your op- if I want your opinion Those... of Aaron Ramsey, I'll ask Paul for it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously, though, those sta- did you see the staples? They're literally staples. Staples, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a picture. Of it's on my it's on my Twitter feed. If you want, uh, but seriously, Paul, I mean, is there a they central midfielder? Good. Is there a more dangerous penalty area central midfielder in, in English football right now than Aaron Ramsey? Uh, doesn't seem to be. He's got the brass balls on him too. Uh, he had Mesut Ozil to his left, beautifully positioned, but he wasn't interested in it when it came chance to dinking a, a uh, keeper. So he's feeling it. Um, obviously, he's a very confident fella. Uh, I mean, he's a quiet fella, but I mean, he's, he's got that cockiness that sees him through things. And right now he's hitting, you know, he, he's hitting full Aaron, Aaron Ramsey mode at the moment. So that's quite good timing. Um, and yeah, he's just, the, the number of times uh, he'll put in that burst, that sprint, to very quickly to get into that position on the attacking line. Uh, it's quite startling. I mean, most of the times the ball doesn't find him, but he, he just, that's the thing that lights up, you know, like a pinball machine. That's when the lights go, all get lit up and the bells start going from. He sees a chance to sprint to that, that uh, attacking line uh, on the edge of the p- penalty box and woomph, he's there. Of course, it creates issues depending on who our midfield is, but he's right in that zone at the moment. So, uh, you know, uh, Europa League final, one of his little flicks to score the third goal when we came back from 2-0 down. I, I, I can see it. You fancy it, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. really becoming a special player because, look, there are a lot of important things to do on a pitch. And for midfielder, there are a lot of important responsibilities. But ultimately, if you score a lot of goals... You become a very important player, whatever position you play. And right now, Aaron Ramsey is as dangerous as they come when he enters the box. And that, I don't think you can possibly overstate the value of that. So, you know, it's unfortunate. And it's not actually that easy to see where goals might come from in this team beyond him. No, I, uh, I agree with you. Yeah, especially with Obama yeah. Yang not eligible. It's so important in our, in our Europa League campaign because Ozil's not a prolific goal scorer. It's unclear whether Lacazette will be prolific for us. Danny Welbeck is in form, but he's not a prolific goal scorer. Yeah. There's really no one else. I mean, Mkhitaryan, maybe you would expect from, but Danny, I mean, I mean, uh, pardon me, Aaron Ramsey might be the single most threatening goal-scoring option we have in our Europa League team right now, the way things are going. So I don't think you can overstate the importance of that, the value of that. And while we can certainly debate the things he doesn't do in midfield, if he's going to create this many scoring opportunities, if his XG is going to be through the roof like this and he's going to uh, clearly get his, his finishing down, which he now has, I think it's hard to argue with his contribution. And we'll see what happens this uh, summer, uh, but he's become and, a very special player. Go, yeah, maybe we need to uh, actually go further in freeing him up yeah, in, cool. in terms of our team selection at this point in the season. 
Yeah, this is so. where this we're back to El Nenny again. This is the thing. Yeah, we've now freed him up to go and do your damage. Don't worry if you can get back in here, great. But we want you to score, and this is what I've been saying for years. It's not the player; it's the style and responsibility. And Elliot, you said in the last pod, great, he was going forward, but we we get hurt defensively, right? We concede, and um, and so we have to make a decision at some point. I say, okay, if he's going to be that player, let's allow him to be that player, and then let's make sure we have structure around him. Rather than ask him to do two and a half jobs, let alone one and a half jobs, right? And that's and when he's not there, and we concede, and our goals against record is not great, and our centre backs are getting ripped to pieces because there's no protection in front of them. We've got and when Aaron Ramsey wasn't scoring, and he wasn't scoring to his xG, we have a problem. Now he's scoring, we have a special player, yeah. and that and that's football. That is football, and he will score now at the end of the season. So we have to free him up. We really do because. He will score in big games. He does not care. He has no nerves when it comes when he's on form. He, he scores in streaks, and we've seen this. I think we've really got to and play I, to it. I think he gives Alex Awobi something to shoot for in some respects. They're very, very, very different players. But Ramsey's big problem was he always underperformed his XG. He snatched at chances. He got into the box, and he blew it. He made the wrong decision. He blew it, and it was it was the big frustration with him. And and he has outgrown that. And I think that is a roadmap for Alex Awobi. You know, just keep getting in those positions, keep getting those chances, keep trusting yourself, keep working on not leaning back when you shoot, you know, taking a breath, gaining, getting your composure in the box, and maybe you become a player like that. So I, I think it's all exciting. Look, you know, the issue with Jack Wilshire, I think you can, you can put it this way. There are a lot of advanced metrics that I think are great. There are some I'm not such a big fan of. XG chain is a, a metric that I think is complicated because at some level it's just a totting up of everything you did that led up to a shot or a goal scoring chance and so you know if you're a striker and you take three shots your xg chain is going to be through the roof even if you did nothing else that game and you could say well it should be or it shouldn't be but i think xg chain is instructive here because i'm going to read out a couple for you this is uh, what we call the spreadsheet portion of the podcast so ozil unlenny welbeck 1.36 1.23 1.39 aaron ramsey 1.12. By comparison, Alex Awobi, who was only on the pitch a little while, 0.43. You know what Jack Wilshire's XG chain, playing the number 10 for us was, or essentially the number 10 for us was on the night? 0.05. Okay? So this is my point about, you throw him in there, he's not ranging. So you're he's saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a very little chance. And, and that's just my point, is that that player, to produce that little in the build-up to the chances we created is really devastating. Another statistic that I think was kind of difficult for him, um, during the period that Jack Wilshire was on the pitch, we created 0.4 XG during the period where he was off the pitch, just those 30 minutes or so, 20 or so minutes, 2.53 XG. Now, look, I know there are score effects and all other reasons why that happened, but some relevant data there. Okay, so real quick before we end this, a couple of things. First, just the, 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 the tie coming up, the semifinal, the draw, Obviously, getting Atletico Madrid is is not what we wanted. Clive, I'm just curious to get your your opinion on this. According to Matt Law, well, what does he know? Um, literally, literally nothing. Uh, Clive, in the case if you believe that they are better than us, and I'm not, I'm not saying they are, but I think they are. Um, in the case where there is a team that you think is better, do you prefer to get them in a one-off final, or would you rather have the chance to play them at home at least once and and get them over two legs like this? Yeah, I think this is the better draw. And okay. the reason why 
is we don't have to win, right? And we're going to have a situation where we're going to be at home with with our you know with our fans, uh, and it will be full up, and that's going to be important. And then and then I think we're going to have a better chance against them, definitely when at home to really do some damage. And um, in the final, when the stadium is split fifty fifty, I think they've developed into a club that is used to those big finals and I think they've been to a couple of Champions League finals they, they, they're they used to it and, we're, and we haven't got a great sort of European pedigree so I think playing in a semi-final in our home stadium gives opportunity to go there and, and do some damage and score an away goal and we can draw this tie 1-1 and if the goals are right for example and, um, and, and we can take it right so I think it's a great opportunity for us I'm not. I'm not scared of it. I think they've got some very good defenders. They're a very good defensive team. I think they've conceded the least goals in the tournament, and I think we've we scored the most goals. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a little bit like that. Um, but I think their defenders are slightly older. Uh, Godin is getting a little bit older now. I think we can move them around. I think Welbeck's very important to move them around with aggressive running. I think that he is the sort of striker that will unsettle them. We got. We looks like we're getting the first bit of luck with Costa potentially not being there, and if he is there, he'll be inhibited in his movement. So I think that would be a real big luck for us to not have to play him twice in the tie at least. And so um, I think we've got a chance. I really do. And sometimes when you're playing a team that you know and the players are well known, we've seen in this Europa League so far inconsistent mental approach. The Osterstone's game, for example. There'll be none of that this time. Everybody will be on it. Everybody will be ready. Everybody will be up there. Top, top game. And I, I, I can't wait for it. I absolutely can't wait. And I'm definitely going to go to that one. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, I, I'm torn. I do think that I'd rather have them in a one-off final, I guess. But the adva- I actually think there's an advantage to playing at home. Because, you know, I think you have a chance to go into the second leg with a lead and knowing what you need to do. And because of the weight of away goals you can be the one delivering the sucker punch instead of vice versa. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you manage to eke out a 1-0 at home, you can be 2-1 down away and with two minutes to play, be one freak header or kick of the ball away from knocking that team out. So I, I kind of like that. I mean, I've seen us get sucker punched by away goals too many times. You know, the one that comes to mind, was it PSV? Was it Alex who rose highest to head home yep. in the Champions yeah, I League? That. Um, I, I, that. Yeah, and it was, a, it was such a sucker punch. And so... I like being the one in the position to, you know, know that, hey, if we take a lead back there and they get a goal, even if they get another goal, you just stay with it. If you can get your goal, you knock them out. I like that. I mean, Paul, do you think the manager has been reluctant to do it, but do you think in this situation, given our defensive front, I mean, this is it. Atletico Madrid has conceded 15 goals in La Liga. By comparison, we have conceded, you ready for this, 43 in the Premier League. 43 <laughs> goals so given that they are so defensively tight and that it's going to be tough to score on them anyway that going with a free-flowing attacking uh setup doesn't necessarily ensure that we're going to have that much joy against them anyway do you think we no, have no, to- you see we we have made every defensive mistake possible they've made very very few oh, we, so, so. We, have, we have learned <laughs> so much <laughs> they're due. would you go we to back watch so much video of what we did wrong, they have no video to watch of what they've done wrong. So they've, how can they possibly? Yeah, they learn? gotta watch other. They gotta watch us making mistakes. They just don't have the video. Yeah, yeah, so. you're right. I never thought of it that way. Thanks, but would you yeah. go to back three? 
Uh, no. Um, well, do so I don't think we'll go with the back three. What, what do you think Would we should Would I go do? with the back three? I don't think we've played it enough uh, in recent times. Um, so, uh, I mean, again, I always thought that the real difference between us with a back two and a back three was uh, the personnel around them. And if we have enough personnel to play a four-two-three-one or or some variant thereof, if we have the players who are fit, um, and I think we do right now in terms of midfield, if we get Mkhitaryan back, um, that gives us a good front four to pick from, to pick three with Ozil, Mkhitaryan, Welbeck, uh, Lacazette. If if we've got uh, Elneny, Chaka and Ramsey fit for midfield, that gives you a pretty good screen in front of a back four. And the only reason we ever get hammered because we've got a back four, there's very li- there isn't that much difference between a back four and a back three, as long as you don't keep sending your both your fullbacks forward. Um, all you got to do is keep one of your fullbacks back, and you pretty much have a back three that swings across. But I kind of disagree, just because of that space in front of the center backs and behind the central midfield, that little pocket of space you know, at the, at the top of the final third where we lay off players too much. And, you know, I also worry about tracking the, the movement of Griezmann. I, I don't know that we can do that with just Mustafi and, and Koscielny, and I don't trust Mustafi positionally to do that. So, you know, for me, you know, go back three, put Mustafi at the center of it, then use Shaka and Ramsey in midfield, Ozil and Mkhitaryan behind Lacazette, or Ozil and, and someone behind Iwobi if Mkhitaryan's not there. I think the decision depends on whether Mkhitaryan's available. And there's enough quality between Ramsey's running and Ozil, Mkhitaryan, and Lacazette to find a goal. But you feel like you've got a more reliable base pr- defensively to protect you. And I, you know what I think back to, you, you guys? I think back to the FA Cup run last season when we got past City and Chelsea. And we did it on the strength of that back three. And while we weren't the most dynamic team in the uh, in the back three, we really had a solidity that I haven't seen us have in big games before. And we really dominated Chelsea in that final because Shaka and Ramsey ran the midfield with, with the security, the the five defenders behind them. I mean, Clive, do you think do you think the manager would consider it and would you? Oh, well, you know me. I, I definitely would, right? Yeah. And I, I think if you go around the, the team, I think they're better in the back three. I think Bellerin is a more of a counter-attacking wing-back than he is a, than a full-back. I think Koscielny at this age, on the right-hand side, is better than he is on the left-hand side in a four. Mustafi is 20 times better in the middle of a three. Monreal, who was decent the other day, but he's, he's had a little bit of a dip. He's quite quiet at the moment. He's definitely better in a, in a three. And, if, and I like Kolasinic. We've got a good player there. He's a man he would love to, he'd relish these occasions. Physical team like Atletico. You want your men on the pitch, right? Shaka Ramsey. He didn't staples, would he? No, no, no. He would have just looked at it and pulled his sock up, right? So, um, so, so yeah, I, I, Shaka Ramsey, yes. I, I would go. I like El Nenny. I really do. I like to see Shaka Ramsey, El Nenny. And I'd like Ozil, and I, and, I, and I like Welbeck. I like hard running forwards for the away game. I, I would go with with Welbeck for the home game. Lacazette's a, 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 is a definite, right? But I can't afford too many passive, non-working, hard-working players in the away game. You need men. You need to go with them, and you need your but, solidity. 
but we'll know what we need, right? I mean, if we get a 2-2 draw at home, that changes the you know the equation of what we it need. changes everything right yeah. i mean if if, if we lose at home or or if we get a you know a one nil at home i mean i think you're the great thing about playing the away leg second is i really do think you have a much clearer picture of what you need to do when you're away in the second leg than when you yep. are uh away in the first leg so so i'm with you yeah you want to fish that off yeah i just think stress in the semi-final if we get a good result at home and we start to move forward in a collective unit, they're going to be stressed by us. And this is why I think Welbeck's very important, because he stresses centre-backs. He's not afraid to run through lines, and it's very important. And um, I think we can't be passive. And I, 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 I'm, I'm really hopeful. I, I really am. I, I can't wait for this game. I just can't wait for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm nervous, but I, I'm, I'm excited. So, Paul, I know you got to run. Real quick, uh, would you play anybody, anybody of relevance in that United fixture that comes between the semifinal legs? Ah, uh, the United fixture. Ah, right in the middle. Um, you'd certainly gear it all around the the semifinals. I mean, there may be players who who benefit from some time. Uh, the there might be a midfield pairing you want to play for sixty minutes, but it would all be about. So in essence, no, I, I'd gear it all around what set us up best for the Europa League's league. Uh, I mean, ironically, we've had that situation where United did the same to us, where um, they pretty much threw a match, a league match, because they were all about the Europa League. So that's what you do. Clive? Yeah, we got four big games in that period. I think we got United, Burnley, and Atletico Madrid twice. Right, so we're going to be stretched out. And so the players that we are having a little bit of a dig at at the moment, we're going to be loving them soon because they're going to need to to show. So players like you know, we are going to see Reece Nelson playing these games. You know, I think Newcastle games is quite important. I think it's important to give some youngsters some minutes because they're going to have to play. Because if we're going to focus on the on Atletico, it's not possible to to turn out the same players four times in that period. So um, I really look forward to Newcastle actually and see what team we pick and see how we cope again. But if we're going to go shadow team, it back three, we get holding on the pitch. We can get more. We have a lot of fit centre backs at the moment. Let's get them on the pitch and, and then we can give them the rest of the team a structure and we can hide players like Nelson and make the Nazis coming back to fitness also. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next few days and see what we do at Newcastle. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't care about the league at all anymore and I realize that there's a risk of humiliation at Old Trafford. Uh, we've lost 8-2 there before and the club went on. So, you know, I, I don't know that it can get any worse than that. I just think at this point... You absolutely have to be every single egg and then more eggs and then go find some chickens and make them lay eggs and then take those eggs and put all of the eggs that you can find everywhere. Every egg you have in the Europa League You don't take any chances with the chickens. You have sex with them yourself. (laughs) To make sure they make the eggs. And in fact, why not just put the chicken in the basket? Because which comes first, the chicken or the egg? It is an age-old problem. All the chickens, all the eggs, all the sex with chickens has to be in Europa League's 
basket. Uh, I think we cleared that up. So that's a good stopping point. Uh, it's Newcastle at the weekend, and no one cares. Uh, Paul's on Twitter at Pause in My Pants. Thanks, Pause. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Hey, Clive. Aaron, Aaron Ramsey, all-time yeah. leading goal scorer for central midfielder at Arsenal Football Club. Still can't stand Wonderful. him, can you? Oh, I, I don't. It's, it's all okay. style. It's, okay. it's, it's not okay. the player. It's okay. It's just the style. Okay. Hey, I hate, I hate Giroud. I hate Giroud. It's fine. No, I, I don't hate any players. Oh, style. Stylistically, that's all it is. It's, it's fine. We, we love you. And that's important. staples in his legs. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner. Give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about Tim and Scott. And then when Tim and Scott are back, apologize for all the nasty things you wrote. We'll be back after Arsenal 10, Newcastle nil. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.